Now I'm a little concerned that the sermon's not going to be good enough for all of this trouble. (laughs) No pressure. You know, we are called to live by faith, not by sight. We spoke of that a little bit in our class in the Family Life Center this morning from 2 Corinthians 5. And um, living by faith instead of sight means that we still go through a lot of the difficulties that this world has. And some of those difficulties are just a natural part of the human experience shared by all of humanity. But some of those difficulties come about because of our faith because our faith runs counter to the values of the world at some points, not all the time. Thankfully, in our country, less than in many other countries. But it's still present um, in our individual lives and in our life as a church. And yet, the wonderful blessing of God is that we can still hold on to those promises that Jesus made to his disciples shortly before his death in John 14 and in the chapters that followed. We can still have that, that peace that comes. As, um, as Danny Skipper sh- shared as we gathered around the table, without Jesus, we're helpless and hopeless, but with him, we have the help and we have the hope that we need. And I think as we have discovered over these past few months, the book of Romans draws that out in an incredibly a wonderful way. The way it's structured, the, the clear purpose that the Apostle Paul has in sharing two important statements with us that we're saved by grace through faith and that because of that we're called to righteousness living. Two leaders and writers in Churches of Christ in the 20th century, R.C. Bell and K.C. Moser, are both attributed to have used this proverbial statement, if you get Romans... God gets you. And of course, we can apply that to the scriptures overall. (laughs) If you get that message of the Bible that we just sang about, then God gets you. But certainly we see it in the book of Romans. The same impact of the study of Romans has been seen by other spiritual giants and other uh, faith groups, such as Martin Luther and Karl Barth, John Stott, and F.F. Bruce, and and many others. One of the reasons why they were able to do the amazing things and incredible things that they did in helping us even still today is because of the emphasis that they placed in their personal study and their personal life on the book of Romans. I truly hope that you've been challenged by this study as we bring it to a close today. I pray that you have grown in your faith. And I call on each of you to commit to making the reading of the book of Romans a regular part of your study of God's word. I think that would be a great thing for all of us. Throughout this study, we have emphasized two great overarching themes of the book of Romans. And I'm going to be sharing about those two themes in this message. And I'm going to read much of the book of Romans, not the majority not close, but much of the book of Romans as it relates to each of these two main themes. Um, And the first of those two is this, we are saved by grace through faith. As I've shared throughout this series, I think the main purpose of Paul's writing these things is what's going to come later in chapters 12 through 16. 
But he can't say those things until he says this. And that is that we have been saved by grace through faith. And for some, they would say, as Romans 6 responds to, well, great, that means we don't have anything to do. We can live any way we want to live because it's all God. And salvation is all God, that's true. But the response to being saved by grace through faith calls us to righteousness living. Our lives should be different because this is true. And he spends much of the first 11 chapters making this point. There's nothing we can do to earn or deserve our salvation. We can't be obedient enough to earn it on our own, to deserve it ourselves. And that is because, as we'll read in just a moment, we've all sinned and come short of God's glory. And that's why this righteousness of God that comes by grace through faith is available to all. And so as we look primarily through these first 12 chapters in this first part, we think of the beautiful song that we just sang, Out of the Ivory Palaces, Into a World of Woe. Only His great, redeeming, eternal, wonderful love made my Savior go. And I'm sure like me, you were assured of that great message as our wonderful angelic voices of Our Lady sang that duet part in that great old hymn. We have that assurance because Jesus loved us so much he came out of the ivory palaces and into this world of woe to join us and to sacrifice for us. We are saved by grace through faith. On the slide, as well as on your outlines that you have there are the scriptures that I will read, but I will read them, maybe occasionally give you a little bit of a heads up as to where we are. But I'm going to read these verses throughout these first um, 12 chapters that share this important message at the very beginning. We are saved by grace through faith. Starting with the first words in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am obligated both the Greeks and non-Greeks both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, 
a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Chapter 3, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 10, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Chapter 6, what shall we say then? 
Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are saved by grace through faith, through believing in Jesus Christ, through turning away from our sins and confessing that faith, as Romans 10 said, and as Romans 6 says that we just read, by being baptized into Christ, being buried with Christ through baptism into death, so that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And the reason Romans is written, I believe the reason the New Testament is written, is to tell us how to live that new life. And it doesn't begin with the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots of what that means. It begins with the statement, we are saved by grace through faith. So that we will not get mixed up and think, oh, if I do all of these things right and well, then I'll be saved. And the reason that's not true is because we don't do all those things right and well. Some of them, some of us, maybe a lot of them but none of us, all of them. And that's why for 11 chapters, Paul says, let me tell you how we're saved. Let me tell you how we receive the righteousness of God. It comes through his grace and through our response of faith. And it leads us to live a new and different life. The New Testament and certainly the book of Romans is written to answer the question, how do we live? But that answer, how to live, flows naturally from how we are saved by grace through faith. And so the second great statement and focus in the book of Romans, based on the first one, we are saved by grace through faith, is this, we are called to righteousness living. It's that statement in Matthew 6.33 that we sang about earlier as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Being saved by grace through faith doesn't relieve us of that responsibility and obligation. It actually causes us to be far more motivated to actually seek to do that better. Because we have been saved by grace through faith. Look at the wonderful pictures that we showed of our ladies at the Tuesday sewing group. Didn't they look miserable? They were, just, they were thinking that whole time, oh man, I can't wait till I get done with this so that I can check that off my list and God will be happy with, the, with me and he won't send a lightning bolt on me. Is that why they were doing that? Sending those wonderful diaper shirts? I'm still not sure, Danny, what a diaper shirt exactly is, but I know they make them and they're great and the quilts are beautiful and They're so gifted and so talented and they use those things to help other people in the name of Jesus Christ. Why do they do that? Because they have been saved by grace through faith. And they understand that that calls them to righteousness living. Why are these wonderful members of our church family 
spending hours and hours and hours searching for a youth minister for our church and for our young people and their families because they understand this. This is part of righteousness living. Why do people participate in those showers, the wedding showers and the baby showers that you read about in the bulletin, the sharing gifts and encouragement and prayers and cards with our wonderful, amazing high school graduates? Why do people do that? They do that because they know they have been saved by grace through faith. And that's a part of that new life that we've been raised to live. And it's something we do out of great joy. It's something we do with great, great gladness. Later on, Paul is going to write, and we're going to read it in just a moment, some statements from those very difficult chapters in chapter 13 and especially 14 and 15. He starts this book by talking about how the Gentiles are to be included in the, in the church of Jesus Christ and how we're all saved by grace through faith and how we're all called to righteousness living. And the last words he's going to say are a reminder that that's his message, that the church is open to everyone, whatever your cultural background, whatever your racial and ethnic background, whatever your economic standing, whatever your health status, wherever you live, The church is open for everyone because the gospel is for all. Why? Because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And all can be justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. As he talks about that difficulty that the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians had because they didn't agree on very many things at all. And yet they were a part of the same church. And they had 2,000 years of animosity and hatred and war in their history, in their relationship with each other. And the reason Paul writes Romans is that he doesn't want war in the church. Disagreement? Yes, of course. But not war. We're done with that. I read just in the last couple of days this quote, conflict in the church is unavoidable. But combat is a choice. There may be tension and conflict at times, but it doesn't have to be war. It doesn't have to be combat. And if it is, it's because we chose that, not God. We are saved by grace through faith, and we are called to righteousness living. And we begin with that great statement in Romans 6, verse 4. We are buried with him through a baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory that will be revealed in us. Chapter 12, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm. To a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Chapter 14. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Hark the gentle voice of Jesus 
falleth tenderly upon your ear. Sweet his cry of love and pity calleth. Turn and listen. Stay and hear. We are saved by grace through faith. And we are called to righteousness living. Just as Danny read around the table from that great, incredible psalm of worship, Psalm 100, the book of Romans ends with this emphatic statement of praise. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. The best way to end such a marvelous call to righteousness living upon being saved by grace through faith is by giving praise and glory to God, which is exactly what the book of Romans does. And so I'll be reading a few passages from chapters 8 and 11 and chapters 15 and 16. Romans 8, beginning at verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Chapter 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul gave that prayer for the Romans, that is my deepest and most heartfelt prayer for our church family here. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of peace be with you all.
Amen. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes through faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. If we can help you find that salvation that is by grace through faith, if we can help you answer the call to righteousness living, come as we stand and sing our song today. Oh.